Today's an exciting day. We love baptism day. And we have some people to baptize. What a moment. Not only for those that are going in the tank, but for you as fellow believers to get to witness what happens when people get baptized. I'm not going to use the usual scriptures for baptism service today. In fact, I went ahead and, and titled this part seven to our Where Do I Need to Grow Up series, which I think I promised y'all was over last week. I take back that promise. <laughs> because really, baptism is one of the first steps of obedience after you accept Jesus as Lord. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to be a child and be obedient out of fear. It's another thing to choose, to be mature enough to choose to be obedient out of trust. Nobody wants to come up here in front of everybody else, get dunked under the water, walk out wet, have pictures made, dripping wet. But, but the why behind baptism is so important. And if you've never, if you've accepted Jesus, if you hadn't accepted Jesus as Lord, let's get that taken care of first, right? We'll give you opportunity for that. It's really, the, the asking is the simple part. The rest is a following, and you know, following is simple. You're not having to make something up and figure out what to do. You're following Christ. He said for, you, for us to be baptized, for us to teach people and to baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And, the, and it was so important to him. That it's when he gave the great commission, Ava, when he said, this is what I want you to go out to do. It's one of the things that he wanted you to do. Baptize people. Why? It was important. It's an important part of the believer's life. And that first, one of those first steps of obedience. And let me, I am so off my notes. Jesus said something interesting. He said, if you, do, if you deny me before men, I have to deny you before my Father. And baptism puts it all out there. It says, I am identifying with Christ. And if you ever doubt your salvation, and how many of y'all have ever doubted your like, You woke up in the morning and you were like, I don't exactly feel saved today. Or maybe it was when you were in traffic or having an argument with your spouse that you didn't exactly feel saved. But how many of you had been baptized and you can go back into in your mind to that time and place when you were baptized and you were identified with Christ and it brought peace to you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I even, I love to go back and look at my kids' baptisms. You know, it's like the devil try to run you over sometimes. He'll try to make you doubt things. He'll try to, get, try to get you over into fear. And I can go back, you know, I've got weight in heaven. And sometimes the enemy will just really try to give me trouble. And I'm like, oh, no. Right here he was dedicated to God. 
as an infant, and right there he was baptized. Argue that. And, and you know, it just sets up, it marks you. And Jesus knew we needed it. He knew that new believers would need it, and he, he felt it so much, and he knew it so much that it's one of the things that he asked us to do when we go out and minister to other people. Baptize them. Baptize them. Titus 3, you know, we've been in Titus 2 for two weeks. So I was just reading uh, this week into Titus 3, and verse 3 really jumped out at me. And, of course, knowing that we were having baptism service, I'm sure is one of the reasons why. But he's talking about, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, by the way. He said, For we ourselves were once foolish. We were once disobedient. We were once led astray. We were once slave to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. We were once hated by others and hating one another. But this is how we were. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is so rich. <laughs> there is so much in there. I'm just going to kind of pull some things out and tie this in to us growing up. I was watching Robert Morris the other day, and, and it wasn't on TV. I was watching him online. And he was talking about um, maturing, and he had kind of divided up the different age ranges as to what identifies what they're going through in those different times. And, and um, he was talking about different you know, age brackets. There's really an impactful age, and then there's really an influential age as we get older. But, and he said, you know, he said, one day I was, I was, talking, to his, he was talking to his elders, and he said, um, what about the younger age? You know, he said, I don't have anything. God didn't give me anything for that. And the elder looked at him and he said, identity. The younger age, it's all about identifying. It's finding your identity. It's discovering who you are. Well, what baptism does is it identifies us with Christ. And that's why he asked us to do it while we're young believers. Now, if you're an old believer, whether old in age or old in the faith, and you've just never been baptized, I encourage you to do it because it identifies you. But new believers, if you get somebody born again, ask them to be baptized. Baptize them in Lake Dardanelle. Baptize them in a water trough. Baptize them in the creek. 
It doesn't matter where. The point is, they're new, they're young, they're trying to find out now who they are because they used to be all these things we just read. And now they know they're supposed to be different, but they don't know what that is and they will fail and feel like they weren't born again unless you identify them with Christ. This is why Jesus said, you go out, you teach them, you baptize them. Baptism doesn't save us. But man, it teaches us. It marks us. It puts an impression on us. Matthew 28, 19 is the verse. I, you don't have to turn there, but that's the verse I was talking about where Jesus gives us that instruction to baptize them. I want to make sure you have that. Baptism pictures, it illustrates, it acts out, puts into the physical what has happened in the spiritual and, and it marks my mind. To this day, I can remember Tom Underhill and Bruce Dickey putting me under the waters of Piney Bay. And I think I saw Michelle Brown here somewhere. I think Todd Brown was floating around in a life jacket in the water next to where I was. Isn't it amazing? A lot of life has happened since I was 10, but I remember that. Who we once were, and then he talks about but now. Who we now are. Are. For we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient, but now we are justified. Justified. What does that word mean? It means rendered just and innocent. Not because you were just and innocent, but because Jesus Christ took your place and he has rendered you just and innocent. How do I get that? You accept it. You have to, and this is what the baptism tank is about. You go down, it's a type of burial. You're like, you're dying to yourself. You're, you're dying to yourself. And when you come up, you're accepting his resurrected life. You're going to live his resurrected life, not your dead life. And we struggle with this because we don't feel worthy to be rendered innocent. We don't feel worthy to be rendered just. You weren't. You weren't worthy. He chose to do it. And sometimes we just have to accept things by faith. He was willing to save us, not because of good works and not because of bad works. It's just who he is. <laughs> Paul's, the Apostle Paul's good works couldn't save him. And your bad works can't save you or your good works. We all need a Savior. By His mercy, He says, 
It was by his mercy and the washing of regeneration. That word washing, interesting enough, means immersion. Washing, immersion, bath. It means bath. It means a laver, which is a water basin, which they used in the tabernacle as a cleansing so that the priests could enter into the Holy of Holies. That's what that represents. That's what that represents. When the Holy Spirit came, when you said, Jesus, be my Lord, and you accepted him as your Lord, this this new birth took place in your spirit, which birth happens by water, by the way. And you were what we call born again, the scripture says. Yes, you were born with all these attributes and then life happened and and you became this way or that way. But you've been born again and we love that word that's here, washing of regeneration. We talked about that several services ago. I don't know, maybe it's been longer than that. That word regeneration is incredible. When something can be regenerated, it can gain what it's lost. New tissue can be grown. Which means what life didn't give you, Christ can give you. Things can be restored. Even in your mind, in your bodies, in your thinking. If you thought wrong, you can have washing of regeneration and you you can begin to think right. There's nothing in your life that, that has to stay broken. Washing, immersing, bathing. He wants to wash us clean. Regeneration. When I looked it up in the Strongs, it meant new birth or into new life. You can have a new life. When you get born again, you're supposed to have a new life. Not everything changes all at once, but there's a washing that begins to take place. And you let it take place. A regeneration that starts to take place. A new life is born in the Spirit and then the Spirit starts affecting the rest of your life. You start walking out. What you begin to find out is right. Through the Word and it begins to change you and you begin to see yourself differently. And that's... I subtitled this that baptism is fertile ground for growth. And it's because once you see yourself differently, you began to live differently. But you've got to see it first. We're going to see it in the tank today. And if nobody showed up to be baptized, somebody's going in because I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. The congregation is ready. Live stream's ready. We are ready. We're ready to watch somebody go in the tank. And if you didn't bring your stuff, we got extra towels back there. And you can go home wet, you'll dry. It's not that cold out there. And it's just so important that we have this new identity in Christ if we're expecting to grow. You know, it's impossible to do. It's impossible to grow in Christ until you identify with Christ. It's just impossible. I thought about it. I thought about it back there in the office. And I thought, how do you grow if you don't identify with Christ?
If you're not identifying yourself with Christ, you'll just struggle. You will struggle. Out of sheer willpower, you'll try to be good. I want to be better. I'll try to be better. I won't do that again, honey. Lord, I won't do that again. Yeah, you will. Unless you're identifying with Christ. Yeah, you will. Because your flesh can't beat the flesh. Only the Spirit can beat the flesh. And so I kept thinking about that. If you, if you don't identify yourself with Christ, you won't grow. You'll, you'll work. You're, you'll toil. You'll struggle. You'll fail. And you'll fake it. You'll fake it. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to fake it. It gets tiring to fake it, doesn't it? It gets tiring to struggle with it, doesn't it? He don't want you to struggle. He wants you to take his yoke upon you. Because he wants to, he, he already pulled the weight you just hook up with, with him in that yoke and, and you just walk where he walks. You turn where he turns. How do I do that? You read that word right there. And you let it minister to you. And, and anybody can do this. But it'll take a death. It'll take a death. You're going to have to let go of who you were. And that's a good day. What a release. What a relief when you can let go of who you thought you were or who they thought you were, who they said you were, what you did. And when you can release and, and, and leave that buried and come up and live like you belong in Christ. That's why Jesus instructed the disciples to baptize people. He wanted them to be washed of themselves. Be washed of yourself. Wash off yourself. Because you can't earn this. I don't even know where I am in my notes. You leave it in the waters, it's a release. And when you come up out of the water... It's a receiving. Going down is a release. I let this go. I let what I was thinking, my way of doing things, I'm leaving it, I'm letting it go. I don't know about y'all, but my ways just didn't work out so well. But when I take his instruction and I tell my flesh and my brain, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it his way. We're going to do what he said. I'm going to, I love that song. It says, I praise him no matter what. When I'm believing, I praise him when I'm doubting. You know what you're doing? You're telling your flesh, this is what you're going to do. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, the psalmist said. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. You know what he's telling? He was, his soul, his mind, uh, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do because that's what, what the word says to do. And I know what happens 
Because the word tells me what will happen. Praise steals the avenger. Praise stops the attack of the enemy. I just don't feel like praising. Well, you feel like getting run over. You, You feel like putting a green light up for the devil. Red light, green light. You want him to stop? You want him to continue? Well, see, we have to kill our flesh to do that because who wants to praise when you don't feel like praising? Who wants to praise when bad things have happened all around you? Who wants to praise when you're in debt up to your eyeballs? Who wants to praise when, you're, when you can't get along with your mate? Who wants to praise when you're feeling alone and, sec- and, and secluded? Who wants, who wants to praise when somebody's hurt your feelings? There has to be a burial. Something's got to die. The good news is something comes to life. Something comes to life on the inside of you. And I've been a complacent Christian and I've been a living Christian. And living Christian's way better. Because life just gets better. I'm not saying rough things don't happen. But rough things certainly happen when you're not a living Christian. But when you identify with Christ... One of the scriptures I'm going to give you here in a minute, 2 Corinthians 2.14. You triumph. That means you had a battle, Wes. If you, if you won, that means there was a battle with a possibility of loss. But in Christ, I win. And I've watched it time after time. All but impossible situations. I don't care. I have seen some of the most miraculous things within the last 12 months. In my personal life. Just where you just, when we sing that song, I trust in God. Woo! Y'all, how do you even, how do you, how can you sit there like this? Woo! I know, right, Greta? We gotta get these people wound up around here. If, I mean, when you've, when you've seen God work things out in your life, when He has provided, when he's given that moment of wisdom that you could not come up with in your own mind. It's worth dying. (laughs) I'm going to say it's worth dying for. But we don't stay dead. Interesting passage of scripture. I'm going to jump over and I'm going to read it to you now. Romans 6. Man, this passage. Woo! Verse 1, I'm reading out of the NIV. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You know, people say, but I still mess up. I still sin. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We don't live in it any longer. When we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from 
all unrighteousness justified. But you've got to identify with Christ live that way. Verse 3, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, talking about the being born again, were baptized into his death. He died for me. I was in him when he died for me. My sin nature was on him when he died for me. I have to identify with his suffering and his death. I have to see myself in his suffering and his death if I'm going to see myself in his resurrection. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There we go. Identify with the death. That was the old me. Dead. Buried. He's raised again. That's the new me. Raised to life. Not just life. New life. That's a good word. If we, verse 5, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. You know what he's saying? When you accept Jesus as Lord, you're to consider that dead. You're freed. You, you, can't, you can't hold a man responsible to the law who's broken the law who is dead there is no more punishment for him there is no more punishment for you sin has no more dominion over you when you're dead that's better than y'all know Y'all must not not have sinned as much as I did. Because this is good. I didn't do very much, Mom. (laughs) Board members, I I was really a good girl. But I still needed a Savior. (laughs) And Robbie, you knew me back in the day. We believe, oh, let's see. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, in the same way. Wow. 
in the same way that Jesus died to sin once and for all, and now the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Ooh, I'm alive. I'm dead to sin. Oh, say it. I'm dead to sin. If we, it, I'm alive to God. Thank you. I'm alive to God. The life that I'm living, I live unto God. If we don't, I, all of that to say this, if we don't identify, you know, we don't just come in here and go under the water. and uh, It means something. It's, it's showing us something. It's a principle. There you are, Todd. I was talking about you a while ago. Um, it's a principle that's life-altering, and it will affect how you live out your life. How we see ourselves affects how, If you see yourself as a sinner, hello. But we're not. We're alive to God. Our sin nature is dead, buried. And we've been resurrected to a new way of living. And if we don't identify with that, we'll never grow into it. I, I went through and I just started writing down things, the scriptures that I could think of, just a few of them, that, that show what happens when we see ourselves in him. You are made acceptable in him. See, guilt knocks the life out of you. And it drives you into further sin. You ever notice that? I always use the snicker illustration. You eat one snicker, you eat the whole bag because you felt guilty because you ate the one snicker. You know, you, 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 you drink one, you drink the pack. You, I mean, just whatever it is, sin and guilt drives us into more sin and guilt that drives us into more sin and guilt. Somebody's got to stop this thing and only death will do it. You dying to yourself and living in Christ. You have been made acceptable in him. That's Ephesians 1.6. You've been made righteous in him. You have the same standing before the Father God that Jesus Christ himself has. Now you are the sons of God. He gave you his righteousness as a gift. You can't earn it. You accept it. You don't earn a gift or it's not a gift. You accept a gift. You know what you say when you get a gift? Thank you. You're not supposed to say, I don't deserve this. I can't take this. I hate it when people do that. You give somebody a gift and they sit there and argue about it. It's like, just take it. Just take it. Just take it. You have been made righteous in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. You've been freed from condemnation and the law of sin and death in him. Romans 8.1 and 2. You are no longer alone. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You are now a vital part of other believers when you are in him. Live that way. Don't stay separated. That's Romans 12, 5. You triumphed 
you win in Christ. That is 2 Corinthians 2.14. What separated you from God is gone in Christ. The veil is gone. You can go right in to the throne of grace. And you can find help in the time of need. Not running in the time of need. But you can go in with boldness, it says. Into the throne of grace. You can do that in Christ. You never would do that if you don't identify with Christ. You will never approach God with boldness if you do not see yourself in Christ Jesus. And don't think it's pride to see yourself in Christ. It is the most humbling thing in the world to see yourself in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 3.14. You are identified as God's own child in Christ. Galatians 3.26. So it doesn't matter. What generational curses have come through your bloodline, through their attitudes, through their addictions, through their sins, or through their physical ailments and weaknesses, you are a child of God. You've been born again. That breaks generational curses. And that is found in Galatians 3.26. You have a divine purpose. I don't have to wander around here anymore getting up to mundane life. And yes, I still do laundry and wash dishes, cook supper for my family, take care of my grandchildren, my children, my husband. I still do those things in life. But when you begin to see the things that you do in life as a divine purpose, you will handle them much better. You may have to remind yourself some days. Right, Mariana, (laughs) with a new baby? Yes, you may have to remind yourself on those sleepless nights. But when you can identify with Christ, you begin to see a divine purpose and that you were created in Christ to do good works. What does that do to the things that you used to want to do that were bad? Well, they don't fit you anymore. You want to know why you're miserable doing what you're doing when you're doing something wrong? Because it doesn't fit you anymore. You have, you have began to identify with Christ. And if what you're doing doesn't fit him, it doesn't fit you anymore. That's a good day. That's Ephesians 2.10. Well, not all of it, but that's where I got it from. Ephesians 2.10. I'm telling you, water baptism It's a physical act that should mark your mind. I'm not going back and raising myself up from the dead. I'm not going to go raise back up that old life. It is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it is not I that liveth, but it is Christ that liveth in me. He's in me and I'm in him. And when we began to identify that way, ah, oh, good works. We don't have to struggle to do them. We just follow him. We just do what he would do. Is it a work in progress? Absolutely. It's a washing. Yep. Holy Spirit will help you. He'll grace you to do it. When you want it, look out. Has anybody witnessed that? 
I've been through times of just being a Christian, and then there's times when you're living the life. I want to encourage you to live the life this morning and, and to, to grow from the, the fertile ground of identifying with him.